0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Jim Belosik. Jim is the founder and CEO of ShortStack, a tool that helps you build contests, sweepstakes, and data collection forms that you can use on Facebook, mobile, and the web to help you convert more of your online followers to leads and customers. Jim founded ShortStack in 2010 and has bootstrapped the company all the way. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business.
1: Uh, I am a a problem solver by by nature. I I hope that that's on my gravestone someday. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I I don't have um, a lot of education besides just what I've learned in the field. So um, I think, you know, sometimes when people start out, they think that, they have to have advanced degrees or whatever. I actually just wasn't really cut out for school and, uh, didn't make it through my college, uh, weeks. So, you know, I, I learned a lot out in the field and I, I continue to enjoy that every day. Um, everything that I do at, at my office or at my house or in the garage or whatever is, um, always kind of DIY and learn as you go. So That kind of sums me up. Um, It drives my wife absolutely insane, (laughs) especially (laughs) when, you know, things could be probably be done um, a lot cleaner and cheaper and quicker if I would have learned a little bit. But I I like to learn from my own mistakes. So um, two kids, uh, four and seven, and then my extended family here at the office of about 22 people. And that's uh, that's really the majority of my life right now.
0: Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? Uh,
1: my absolute favorite quote is uh, by Ray Bradbury, um, famous author, and it is, jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Um, it, it's it, it always has encouraged me to... You know, if I don't know all the answers, at least it keeps me moving forward. Uh, You know, when you think about it, the only way to really know something is to do it. And when you do it, you got to do it, you know, (laughs) jump both feet in or, uh, you know, go at it 100% instead of, you know, just putting your toe in the water. You got to dive in. So. You know, just the visual of jumping off the cliff, and you know, I, I picture Wiley Coyote trying to make some <laughs> contraption as he as he's falling down the cliff. Um, but it, it it sums up, you know, everything I've I've done, and that quote also helps you know explain explain my strategy to my staff, to my clients, to my family, to everyone. They they understand how I work when you know I wear that quote on a on a t shirt or. Um, you know, scribble it into a bathroom wall or something.
0: I, I love that quote, and I, I love the image that it creates. You know, in the sense that, um, it, it, you know, you, you're kind of jumping with both feet. You have a you have a huge sense of urgency now to go and figure out what you need to before you know your journey ends at the bottom of that uh, that fall. Um, so yeah, it's a great quote. Um, okay. Let's talk uh about life before Shortstack. Tell me tell me what you were doing before you started this company.
1: Um, well, after I dropped out of college, um I had to have a job. I had to, you know, get paid somehow. So I've always been an artist and uh graphic design has has always been something that uh that I've been good at and I, I really enjoy doing. So I was a freelance graphic artist for a while. And, you know, working with a lot of small businesses, uh, because basically it, someone will hire you to do their logo and their business card. So you're, you're kind of starting out with a, a, a small business in their infancy, um, as my clientele grew and, uh, we kind of aged together and, and learned together, they started asking me, Hey, you know, you did my business card and my brochure. Can you, uh, can you do a website for me and being young and hungry, I said, of course, you know, even though I've never built a website in my life, uh, of course. <laughs> so, you know, I figured out how to do it. Um, uh, and then I really enjoyed the web stuff and it was, you know, of course in like 2002, 2003, everyone was, was jumping onto, you know, creating these really terrible websites now that I look back, but uh, they'd ask, okay, you built this website, but can it do more? You know, can, uh, can we have like a reservations form or can people request a quote or whatever? So, you know, my answer was always, yeah, sure. Let's, let's figure it out. So I started out as, you know, kind of this freelance graphic artist. And by the time, you know, 2008, 2009 rolled around, I found myself having a a really small advertising agency with, uh, you know, three or four employees. So that helped, you know, kind of set the foundation for what was to become short stack and the software company, because acting as an agency and working with the clients, you know, um, very intimately, we learned, you know, what worked and what didn't we learned, um, you know, what, uh, what the new and upcoming trends were, because your clients will always push you uh, to figure out, you know, what's, what's new and best, you know, they're, they're never happy with, uh, with doing run of the mill stuff. So it was a, it was a great education.
0: Okay let's let's uh before we dive, dive into more details about the product itself let's start by giving the listeners a better understanding of shortstack firstly, who are your target customers and secondly, what are the top pain points that you're trying to solve for these people
1: uh, our target customers are you know anyone from small business owners to you know agencies uh, who are creating things for their clients, uh, to, to brands. We, we kind of serve the the gamut. Um, our, our most successful clients are usually those who are a little bit savvy with, you know, marketing, uh, to begin with. So maybe they have an idea of how marketing works, you know, how, um, you, you can't just put up a billboard in the desert, you know, no one will see it, but if you put up a billboard next to a busy freeway, it might help you, you know, so, so people who, uh, are maybe past the one-on-one classes of marketing, and they're looking to do more in social media or, or marketing on the web in general. That's really our target. The pain points that we try and solve are all the complex coding and back-end server stuff that you typically have to do when you build these things one-off. Um, if I wanted to build a contest or something, and you know, have people submit photos and then people could vote on it. And I want to make sure that people weren't cheating when they voted. And then I want to randomly pick a winner and do all this other stuff. Uh, You can go to your web guy and he'll probably do it, but it's going to be expensive and time consuming. So what we decided is if we could make this uh, kind of suite of tools, you know, I, I like to think about it like Lego bricks for the web, So you have all these different pieces that you can put together and kind of help you achieve, you know, whatever your goal is. So if you want to do a promotion, uh, you know, you can have people submit things and then you're going to add the Lego piece that is voting. If you want that, and then you're going to add the legal, uh, the Lego piece that is, um, you know, a form to collect email addresses or whatever. So it's, it's more, uh, visual design than code, uh, because I mean, my brain, does not work when I just stare at code. It's like looking at the matrix. So anything visual to me is a lot easier. And we find that a lot of our clients prefer that as well.
0: Now, you know, when when you describe your product, some people might say, well, such so-and-so does the same thing. And it's not just your product in, you know, I'm not just picking on that. I think that could be the case for just about any product out there. So how do you try to differentiate your offering? What makes you guys different from what else is out there?
1: Well, when we first started out, um, and this kind of set the tone for the product and the company as a whole, we uh, we, we saw some of the the big guys out there and they were charging, you know, uh, four and five figures per month for a service, which when we looked at it, we thought, geez, we could do this, but you know, we could do it for 30 bucks a month or or whatever. So what we set out to do is give our customers a lot of flexibility and a lot of power um, at a low price point. However, with that flexibility and power comes a learning curve. So we, we try and have a balance where, you know, When you look at us and all of our competitors or, you know, any web building software, contest software or whatever, there's the guys, uh, who are inexpensive or free and you can do a few things and it's great and it's super simple. You can probably do it in five minutes. And then there's the enterprise level guys at the other end, um, where you can do anything you want, but you better know what you're doing. So we're, we're somewhere in the middle there where you can still start with a template Uh, put something together and it works great. But if you want to go in and fine tune and really tweak things and make it absolutely pixel perfect or make it meet your exact requirements, you can. Um, and we provide all kinds of, you know, customer support and documentation and everything. Uh, but there's, you know, it's, it's not going to be something that my mom could just do, uh, you know, in 20 minutes before lunch and, and throw up a, a contest, you know, she's, she's still on AOL, bless her heart. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's kind of where we find ourselves, but it's kind of a sweet spot in the market.
0: Okay. So going back to what you were talking about earlier, 2008 to th- 2009, you had this small agency with, with a few employees set up and And, you know, probably what, a year or two later, you were going to go and launch this software product. So where did the idea come from?
1: The idea was, you know, I I wish that I could say, you know, it just came to me in a light bulb moment, but really it it came from our clients over a period of probably six months where everybody was, was saying, okay, what is this Facebook thing? And what can we do with it for business? You know, in, in 2008, 2009, Facebook was was really starting to snowball and a lot of companies were starting to jump on board. And so we started to look at it. And when Facebook platform was, was uh, released where you could actually build apps uh, within Facebook, that was a, a big deal. And we had a lot of demand. And again, you know, we said, well, we've never done it before, but we'll look into it. So we started building these apps, uh, by hand, you know, uh, one at a time and they were very successful and our clients were super happy about it. But then over, you know, a period of about six months, we realized, man, we are doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and then when some people wanted a contest and they wanted to, you know, for example, uh, all entries stop at midnight on Friday, you know, sorry, but we're not taking any more entries. Well, we would have to, you know, have someone up at midnight to take the contest down or to disable it. And we realized this is totally unsustainable. So what we did is we built a a product in house that was just really ugly. Uh, It was just a bunch of PHP code basically, but it allowed us to make simple changes really quickly without having to rely on our engineers, you know, and our, our, um, our code guys, because we were starting to, to use up all the engineer hours that we had and our account executives or whatever were the ones who wanted all these changes. So we said, Hey, let's just let them make all the changes. So that rolled on for another, you know, two or three months. And finally, you know, we're looking at hiring more account executives because, uh, again, demand was still there, but we said, wait a second. What if we just took ourselves out of the equation and we, we just let them have access, let the clients have access to this thing that our account executives are using. You know, we'll clean it up and we'll put some graphics on it. Uh, but then we don't have to do anything and they can, they can do everything they want. And that was kind of, ah, you know, <laughs> scary because, you know, we, we had clientele and we were making money. Uh, so to devo- devote our resources into this self serve product was was kind of scary, uh, but we went for it anyway, and and uh, it worked out.
0: Okay, so you started off by building Facebook apps for each client that asked, and then you found that there was a lot of re- repetitive work going on. So you you kind of built a tool to help you guys, um, you know, automate a lot of that that work. Um, and reduce the amount of dev time you were, you were spending on that. Um, and then eventually started giving people access to this product. So is that is, is that kind of like the gist of the transition?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Instead of, um, you know, if we were, uh, as the agency, we were a car wash where you park your car, you get out and we wash your car for you and dry it and make it smell nice. Uh, instead, we said, hey, why don't you just put a quarter in the machine and you can spray the car down yourself, you know? So, so we just moved to a DIY approach using this in-house tool that we had developed. And, uh, you know, it allowed us to scale very, very rapidly without a whole bunch of uh, additional human hires.
0: So the the first version of this product that you made available to your clients, did it allow them to actually build this functionality from scratch or was it more of like, they were still paying you to build these apps and then sort of using this tool as a way to to maintain the the app. How, how did that work?
1: Yeah. In in the first version, it actually did allow them to create things from scratch. You know, we, again, using the building block, uh, building block um, concept, you know, we, we call them widgets. We said, okay, we're going to allow people to add a photo using a photo widget and they can add, um, you know, maybe some text using a text widget and they can have a you know form that they can create if they want to collect email addresses using this widget so they could stitch it all together and uh do it themselves you know 100 we we still had to bridge a lot of gaps especially with like our, our brand clients and larger agencies where they wanted some custom functionality and we didn't have you know those particular uh, features in the first version so you know there was a lot of uh, uh you know, going back and forth where it wasn't completely DIY. But again, those, you know, those, um, uh, those requests and those feature requests helped us, you know, continue to add features and, and benefits to our, uh, to our platform.
0: Did you start charging for the product right away when you gave it to clients?
1: No, uh, it was free in a beta period. Well, actually we still have a free version. We've always kind of gone on the freemium model, which, uh, you know, it helps give us a lot of exposure to the platform, but we had a, um, a relatively closed beta from November to, you know, November, 2010 to January, uh, 2011. So pretty short, but we just said, Hey, let's let, you know, let's invite everyone we know to try this thing out. We're going to beat it up. And look for bugs and listen to our clients. And then January, I think it was January fifth, two thousand eleven. We got our first uh, first paid sign up, and that was definitely a uh, champagne moment.
0: Okay, let, let's talk about that. So, you, what happened? How, how did you? So, then the closed beta, you're not charging, and at the end of that, what happened? You 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 said, okay, if you want to continue to use the product, you're going to have to pay for it.
1: Not actually. No, we, uh, a a lot of people, you know, we, we believe in grandfathering because, you know, you're building a relationship. So if those people were free during the beta, we said, Hey, you can go free for as long as you want the way to encourage them to upgrade was by, you know, continually adding features or, you know, more robust um, aspects to, to other tiers or something and say, Hey, you're on the free version, but if you want uh, this really cool thing that we just came up with, you know, maybe you can give us a few bucks. So, you know, we, we still have people from way back when who are are using the product every day and it's free for them and, um, and they're happy with it. But a lot of them, you know, the, the majority, Ended up upgrading over the next you know month to six months.
0: How did that first customer find you?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it was you know referral because we were we were lucky enough to have some really passionate uh, customers in, in the beta period where this was something that they were had been looking for and we built it basically to their spec. Um, And since we didn't have a lot of clientele, you know, we had, uh, I don't know, maybe a hundred people on the beta. If they asked for a change, I mean, we could usually make it within a a number of hours and they were so excited. Um, I think they ended up telling their friends and, you know, blogging about us. Uh, So within, you know, the first couple of weeks of us actually being able to uh, take signups, we were, we were getting, you know, between one and five signups a day, which was, was great for basically, you know, zero marketing and, um, uh, advertising.
0: Wow. So, so what kind of advertising or marketing were you doing? Was it all referrals and word of mouth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, I think I was so focused on the product that I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to think about the marketing or advertising, you know, and f- we had no money at the time. I mean, we were bootstrapping this using our existing agency clientele and you know we we're very very cash poor i actually uh stopped making my house payments in order to pay payroll during that time and ended up uh ended up losing my house because of it but it was a it was a gamble uh, my wife wasn't super happy about that but uh you know i didn't have a whole lot of money to to go out and say hey uh you know i want to spend 10 grand on on pay per click ads or or whatever. So instead we just took a lot of effort and sweat equity and, and put it into the product in the hopes that it would get referred.
0: Now when I was doing research for this interview, I came across that story of how you you know you'd made the decision to meet your payroll and not meet your own mortgage payments. And you know, I want to talk a little bit about like why you did that, but in many ways, just hearing that story just told me a lot about the kind of person that you are. And and I'm sure that your employees also uh, probably have a lot, lot of loyalty towards you because of um, you doing that. And I'm sure there are lots of other examples, but just tell me a little bit about what, what was going through your head when you made that decision.
1: You know, I had... Confidence. If, if anything, I'm, I'm overly confident or, um, overly optimistic when it comes to, you know, things that I get excited about. So I, I saw the glimmer of, of potential in this product and I had got feedback from, you know, beta clients and, and our previous clients who are using it. And I knew that there was something here. I just needed a little more time. You know, I needed, uh, you know i needed just a, a little bit of breathing room before the income started coming in you know we were getting you know a few dollars here and there but it wasn't you know enough to to hit payroll yet so you know we were still trying to to service our agency clients you know doing you know traditional marketing and and whatever but you know some of those we couldn't take on as many as we needed because we had devoted so many staff resources to the software. So, uh, you know, looking back at it and from, from what I know now, it, the, the easy answer is, well, you know, why didn't you take funding or why didn't you go get a, you know, find a VC or an angel or something like that, Uh, that, that world is just very foreign to me, um, I've always known bootstrapping is, you know, I didn't even know it was called bootstrapping I just thought it was called running a business where (laughs) (laughs) you you do a good job. uh, If you, if you make some profit, you reinvest that profit into the business and make it better. You know, when, when I hear about these companies getting millions and millions or billions of dollars, uh, but then there's some kind of quote, it says, you know, and they're not, uh, they're not revenue positive yet. I'm going, how can they get so much money? when they don't make any money and I guess they're just hoping that they'll be sold again and someone else will make money. I don't really know how that works. So I just did what I knew, which is, uh, you know, use my own resources. And unfortunately, you know, I I thought that I could do it for long enough where I could, I could make some, some back payments to the house and, and get it back. Uh, but it was too late by that time. Uh, so we ended up renting for a while and uh we were able to to buy a house again a little later down the road. So it was an adventure.
0: So okay, let me get this straight. So you had an agency uh, and a, a clientele that was generating revenue for you, and you were using that to fund the software business, which would ultimately allow your clients to be able to do um the work you were doing from the agency by themselves, which would effectively kill your agency business. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, and how much revenue were you generating at the time from the software business? Oh,
1: not nearly enough. I mean, maybe 1% of what the agency was doing, you know, from, from day one. And then what happened is after, after we, you know, we continually had referrals uh we started getting some some good pr uh from our service we we started being mentioned you know uh in reviews and we started being um talked about as far as hey uh look at all this cool stuff that you can do on facebook and the web and here's three great companies that can do it and you know when we were mentioned in those type of things it really took off so within about i think about 8 months the revenue from the a uh, software company had eclipsed what we were making at the agency and at that time we started firing our old agency clients or referring them to other people and shutting down the agency to focus solely on the software company
0: well wow. but but before that happened you were taking a big bet right i mean this was this was a big gamble um and you were you were taking towards the the future of the software business
1: yeah yeah it was it was a big gamble but the the rewards that I saw were not necessarily, um, you know, monetary. They were scale and, I guess, freedom of lifestyle. So my my father was an architect, and he was just he worked by himself, um, had a little office, and he did that, you know, every day of his life until he retired. And I thought that that was really cool. You know, every once in a while he could take a two-week vacation, and the family would uh, would go somewhere. But otherwise, he worked, you know, fifty or sixty hours or seventy hours a week. And that's that's what I thought I was going to emulate. So that's what I did in my graphic design business and my agency business. And I just worked and worked and worked. And then I realized, oh man, I can never leave. If I take a vacation, all my clients are going to freak out. Um, my wife and my young family are not happy with me cause I'm never home. Uh, I have to do something to get out of this. So when I saw that the software had the potential to scale and be self-service, um, where, you know, I, I could, I could step out of the office for a couple of days and no one would really know. Uh, I thought, Oh, that's the ticket. <laughs> you know, I, I have to be able to set something up so that my kids, you know, know what I look like when I come home. And, uh, that's, I think that's kind of the main reason why I risked everything.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. I used to work with a guy who used to do incredibly long hours. And, um, it was, it was one point in his life when he came home and, and one of his kids who were pretty young asked him said, daddy, where do you live? And that for him was just like the changing moment where he was like, uh, you know, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. um, you know when, when i hear when I hear your story and and sort of you making the transition from this agency into the software business, you were clearly motivated, right There were reasons that you saw um that the software business being a, a better future for for you and and your business um but you took a big bet, and I think this is a great example of the quote you gave me earlier right you know first you jump off the cliff and then you build your wings on the way down if it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing with this.
1: Yeah, I I mean I, I guess I'm I'm a risk taker and I am optimistic but I'm also very lazy <laughs> and I I only do things on deadlines. Um when I was little I would do all of my homework on Sunday night at midnight, you know, for for Monday morning. <laughs> I I'm such a procrastinator. And when I decide to do something um i do it best when i have no opportunity to procrastinate so building your wings on the way down um forces you to succeed or die and uh it's uh it's enjoyable you know when when you when you're confident and when you know that you have a great team who can help you if there are mistakes on the way down then there there's really it's it's not as risky as you would think you know you can always see that something's not working and change and adapt. Uh, and I know that as long as we continue to do that, we'll, we'll be successful. I mean, the, the landscape out there is always changing in in marketing and social media and the web, it's uh, it's the wild, wild West. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're excited and uh, again, confident because I have super smart people. You know, one of my quotes is hire people smarter than you and we've continued to do that. So. Uh, you know, the future is, is
0: uh, really exciting for us. Looking back at those early days, what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that you made? I, I guess not
1: growing fast enough, uh, which, which sounds weird. I, I, I was nervous in some aspects, uh, but confident in others. And I probably should have had that confidence everywhere. So what what I mean is... In the early days, we had um, like like we knew. Okay, we have to hire for this position, uh, and by doing so, we're going to make three times whatever that person's salary is. You know, we we just we knew that equation. If we have another engineer, we can do this many more hours, and we'll have this many features, and and it'll result in this revenue. But I've always been hesitant about hiring people because if I have to hire them and something unexpected comes up and I have to fire them, that's that's messing with someone's life. You know, I'm messing with their family, with their income, um, with them being able to put a roof over their head. So I think I I should have scaled with people uh, sooner, and that would have helped us kind of leapfrog a, a, a couple steps a, a lot quicker. But you know, I learned from it. And today, you know, I operate differently because of that.
0: So you, you, a little earlier, we talked about how, you know, after a period of about eight months, things really started to take off and, um, you know, you guys were getting some traction. What what happened then? Did did you find that you were just, you know, this was just work, the the marketing machine was just working by itself? Or were you guys having to go in and figure out how to how to attract and, and acquire more more customers
1: um, the the main thing that we did and we continue to do is you know listen to the customers that we have because when we were acting as an agency, we were on the front lines with our customers, and you know we were doing a ton of research and and watching um, you know these campaigns that were our babies uh, watching them grow and develop uh, along with our clients, and when you sw- switch that into a self-service tool, you don't always see um, as much as of the picture as as you normally would. You know, some people come in and they build something and run it. Uh, they they know the results. They look at it. Uh, they have opinions, but then you know we're not always privy to that. So the customers that do give us feedback, we we have to listen to and. Uh, we rely on them 100% to tell us what's going on out there. You know, what's, what's going on on the front lines. Do they need um, a feature? Do we need to adjust something? And that's, that's really the best thing that, uh, that that we could ever hope to do is just listen to our clients because they're the ones using it. Uh, you know, we call it the hippo rule, which is, you know, highest paid person's opinion. And sometimes, you know, CEOs or chief engineers or whatever will say, well, I think we need this feature cause it's great. Well, did the customers request it? No. Well then we're not doing it because they are the ones who are smart. Um, so you got to take some ego out of the equation. You gotta be humble and, uh, and kind of let them steer the ship. So we've always done that. It's helped out with our customer acquisition, um, again, word of mouth, you know, it was great. We did experiment with, you know, Google um, AdWords and stuff like that. Our, our account was actually shut down. <laughs> they, they thought that we were selling Facebook likes or something and they kept shutting down our account. So we said, okay, screw it. And we're not doing um, AdWords anymore. And, you know, coming from an advertising background, we tried a bunch of stuff, but really the thing that kept working was just focusing on the product producing a good product and then uh letting our customers kind of do the marketing for us
0: that's that's pretty inspiring you know i i often hear um you know people in in funded startups who maybe have um um you know they have investors they have money and they they seem you know they can say hey you know we're going to focus on building a great product because in many ways there isn't really that sense of urgency to go and generate that revenue quickly. Um maybe there's you know, maybe they have a different exit strategy in mind. But when you're bootstrapped, I mean you've you've got to pay the bills every month, right? And um to be able to just say we're gonna focus on building a great product and and that's gonna help us generate the the revenue we need is is a it's is pretty inspiring. At what point did you start generating enough or more revenue from the software business than you were bringing in from the agency?
1: Uh, somewhere, you know, towards the end of, of 2011, it, it started to, you know, um, exceed what we were making from the agency. And, you know, we started, you know, firing our old clients or, not really firing, but referring them to, to other um, associates that we knew here in town. And it was, uh, it was refreshing for, for everyone, you know, uh, our, our staff that was agency staff got to, you know, work on a new project, which was the software company. And, um, you know, we, we got to kind of double down on our efforts and refocus and say, okay, we're, we're really in this now it's making us a little bit of money. So now let's, let's take everything we got and um, try and double it again. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty quick, you know, with it within that, you know, eight months to a year.
0: And then did you shut down the agency business?
1: Yes, we did. We, we stopped taking clients, um, moved, you know, existing clients over to, you know, partners that we respected and, you know, that's when we we reincorporated, um, you know, into a different uh, uh, entity in the eyes of the government, and you know, got a new tax ID and everything. So we we kind of started out fresh uh, at, at that point. And it was like like we we're a real startup.
0: <laughs> okay, Jim. So we started this journey by going back to where the idea for ShortStack came from, and then we've taken this journey together on how you turn that idea into a successful product. Let's talk about the business today. What sort of revenue are you guys doing?
1: Uh, we don't disclose exact numbers, um, but we are uh, well into seven figures and rapidly approaching eight. Um, and that's with a staff of, uh, I think, twenty people now.
0: And how many users do you have? Or well, let's let's well, tell me about how many users, and then maybe. Give me a sense of how many, uh, paying customers you have.
1: Sure. Um, you know, I think our, our paid versus free users fits, uh, you know, all the other research that I've done where it's, you know, it's basically one out of 10. Uh, you know, I know that that's similar for MailChimp and, you know, some other freemium software. So we're probably right in there and we have, I don't know, 350,000, uh, users, which who we consider active, you know, where they, where they actually log in and make adjustments and everything. So, uh, you know, very, very exciting. It it was, it was really nice to go from, you know, 10 or 15 agency clients to 10,000 and then a hundred thousand and, and whatever. Um, And it just, it proves that software has the ability to scale so much uh, (laughs) so much better than, uh you know as a self-service product than as a as something that needs a lot of handholding you know we don't we don't have a staff of you know 60 account execs or you know 500 customer service people or whatever making calls uh, we just make sure the platform is as good as it possibly can be
0: one thing I w- i'm curious about is earlier you told me that your customers range from small business owners to agencies to brands and when most people are starting out a business, you know, the, the advice you often hear is niche down, right? I mean, focus on a specific segment and then sort of build up from there. Did you guys ever do that? And if not, then, then what sort of challenges have you had to deal with by, you know, the, the needs of a small business owner compared to a brand are very different.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, niche down or or whatever. I, that that makes a lot of sense. I wish I would have known that when (laughs) when we started. Uh, What we actually did is just did what we knew. Um, We were an agency. So we built things that we thought agencies would like. So I guess that was our first focus. But then we realized that a lot of, you know, mom and pop shops and, you know, uh, one owner startups, one man shows were, were using our product and not, as an agency would, but still using the same tools. We thought, Oh, okay. You know, if we, if we continue to have this target, you know, of who our best client is, we'll, we'll hit them, but we're always going to have some sort of scatter. You know, we're, we're going to have other people, um, who use it too. So by focusing on, you know, power users who would be agencies, it gives us a really robust, uh, tool set and group of features where the small business guys or you know, the, the one guy at his kitchen table, um, he may only use 10% of our product, but it still works for him. So on the other end of the spectrum is the brands, where they're not used to doing anything themselves. They just want us to uh, go through a bunch of legal documentation, sign SLAs, and then we create everything for them. Um, and it's that's been really interesting because... They have money, they want to give you money, but I look at it and go, you know, I can't scale by dedicating people just to you and your project. So here's the tool, go ahead and use it yourself. And they go, well, yeah, it's great, but we just want you guys to do it. Um, so it's it's funny to, to say no to them because uh, they're not used to people saying no either. You know, they're like, well, I'm a fortune 500, blah, 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 blah. And we go, I know, but go ahead and use our product. Uh, it's probably going to cost you 99 bucks <laughs> and you guys are going to be stoked. You know, I, and and that's, that's actually, uh, one of our current challenges, which is, you know, expanding more into brands and, uh, you know, helping them without going full enterprise, and maybe neglecting some of our small business clients or, or agencies. Um, you know, brands tend to step into the room and, uh, you know, take a lot of air out of the room. So I want them to still be able to use our product and be happy with it. Uh, but at the same time, not distract us from what we really enjoy doing, which is, you know, helping thousands and thousands of, of small businesses and, and agencies get the job done.
0: So are you actually doing this kind of custom work for them, setting things up or, or are you just pushing back and, and trying to get them to use the product?
1: Uh, it's a combination. You know, we, we have limited resources um, in order to do the custom stuff. Usually what we end up doing is saying, well, here's how we would do it. Uh, here's some advice. You know, we consult with them. We, we, give them everything that, that we can to help them do it. And usually once they do and they see then then they're fine from there on out. Uh, But we are kind of running the numbers and looking at, okay, if we had a staff just dedicated to servicing these guys, you know, what would the potential revenue be and the profit? And it looks good, but it's, uh, it's just not as, as exciting as, you know, putting an engineer on, the overall platform you know by him adding one feature he can he can be happy uh, or he can make you know hundreds of thousands of clients happy whereas putting an engineer on one brand's project it may be used for one brand and then never again so I, I just I'm having this battle the, <laughs> with myself of yeah. do I kind of want to creep back in and become an agency again and I don't know it's it's something that we're playing with um, but you know, my heart has always been in the, uh, the self-service realm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that was the, the thought that came to my mind as well is that the money might be good, but it would kind of potentially suck you back into the agency business. And there was a reason you moved away from that business in the first place, right? Exactly. What's the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now?
1: Really? It's, it's exciting to see kind of the shift, um, In in social media, you know, we started in Facebook, basically, Uh, that was that was our our bread and butter is making these apps on Facebook. And then we're starting to see how social media is still extremely powerful, but it's becoming fragmented. Uh, Facebook is not the end all be all anymore. You know, we're starting to see um, Instagram and Pinterest and uh, Twitter and Google Plus and everything else uh, is competing for for people's networks. So. For us to kind of reposition ourselves and say, look, let's just focus on your goal. If your goal is to collect emails, or if your goal is to increase engagement, or if your goal is to um, get a bunch of people to participate in your promotion, cool. Let's focus on that goal, but then just use it anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to just be on Facebook, it can be everywhere. And that to me is is really fun because it helps us uh you know kind of future proof ourselves too where you know I'm not going to say that that Facebook is like MySpace uh but you know MySpace kind of disappeared all of a sudden and by focusing on the goal or the campaign itself it allows um uh, you to use any channel that you want in order to get your message across and So becoming platform agnostic, I guess, is extremely exciting to us right now.
0: Great. Okay, Jim, it's now time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Great. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
1: Focus on the product. Um, And that was told to me by Ben Chestnut, uh, co-founder of MailChimp.
0: What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, uh, it's called
1: don't make me think and it's by Steve Krug. Uh, it's all about user interface and user experience. I would encourage everyone to read it because when you realize how convoluted, uh, your product can be, it may make sense to you, but to the customer, it might be totally confusing. This book forces you to put yourself in the customer's shoes and, uh, it's it's really eye-opening. Um, it, it helps change everything. I, I live and breathe by that book.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Um, risk-taking. And you do that. <laughs> What's your <laughs> favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: My favorite, well... I'm going to have to say two, uh, two favorites. One is I use uh, a little app called Wonderlist and it's a simple list, just like on paper where you, you say, um, you know, pick up the kids, pick up the dry cleaning. And then I get the satisfaction of filling out the little checkbox. Um, I have to live and die by lists because without it, I have too many things going on. The second productivity tool is delegation. Um, surround yourself with people that you trust and trust them to do their job uh, as good as they possibly can. And it frees you up to focus on the bigger picture.
0: If you had to start over tomorrow, how would you go about finding that next business opportunity?
1: Um, you You have to look inwards, uh, you have to look at yourself. you know what problems? do you have on a day to day? Um, what, what kind of things do you see that you think you could make better? You know, that's, that's where we started where, you know, we had this repetitive task, so we made some software to, so that, you know, we didn't have to do this thing all the time. Uh, you know, I see opportunities constantly, you know, I, tipped over the garbage can on myself the other day, taking it out to the street. And I go, God, I could design a better garbage can. You know, so there's, <laughs> not that I'm going to make a lot of money doing that, but uh, there's there's tons of opportunities in your everyday life to, to look for. And so do something that you know.
0: What's an interest? <clears throat> excuse me, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Um, I am known as, the pancake guy around here. Uh, (laughs) I had a blog called Jim's pancakes where I made silly 3d pancakes for my daughter and the blog kind of took off. And the next thing you know, she and I were on the Rachel Ray show and we wrote a book and all kinds of silly stuff. uh, Wow. Related, (laughs) related to pancakes. So that's kind of how the the name of the company came about too. Cause uh, you know, short stack was, kind of my nickname. And we thought it was funny because it's kind of a big
0: inside joke. I was going to ask you what the thing with pancakes was. So you answered that. That's great. <laughs> and and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work other than pancakes? Cars. Has
1: to be cars. I, I Actually, anything mechanical. I love, you know, steam trains and, uh, and cars and bicycles and stuff like that. I'm not allowed to have motorcycles anymore. My wife told me I'm I'm worth too much to her alive. So um, I I love wrenching on cars in the garage and restoring old cars and stuff like that.
0: All right. Great answers. Jim, I want to thank you for joining me today and, and sharing your experiences and insights with our audience. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. Now, if folks want to find out more about ShortStack or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Sure. Uh, You know, if they want to check out ShortStack, just go to shortstack.com and you can read all about us and, uh, you know, sign up for a free plan and test it out. And if you need help, talk to our customer service people. They're freaking awesome. Uh, I absolutely love my support team. They're the ones who, who really make the company run. So we pride ourselves on, you know, customer success, I guess. Um, and if someone wants to reach out to me, uh, I'm on Twitter, not as frequently as I should be, but I'm, uh, at ShortStack gym.
0: Of course. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks Jim. And I wish you continued success.
1: Thanks, Omer. I really appreciate it.
0: Cheers.